So we're doing, this is actually the last, it's not the last Sunday of the series, but we've been going every other week talking about intimacy and intercession, drawing close to God and praying for others. And about 10 weeks running now, so this we're going to do praying for others this week, and then next week we're going to kind of pull it all together. And so Judd Nelson, our care pastor, is going to uh, lead us today in talking about praying for others, and we're going to have a little bit of that time weaved in with a global focus. I think, okay, I think he's coming. He did leave his stuff up here, and he had told me at one point. So I'm glad you're here. I left you the notes. Go for yeah, it. Right, right. Well, good morning, people of presence. So this series to me has been fascinating. There has been all kinds of amazing pieces and, and stories in it. And like Andrew said, we're talking about intercession today. Now, prayer, when we just say the word prayer, is probably the most common practice that we do as a church, as a body of believers. We do other things like celebrate the sacraments. Last week we did communion. Next week we're going to do baptisms. But prayer is probably something we all do all the time, right? We do it when we're sad. We do it when we're alone. We do it when we eat. We do it when we're together, when we worship. We do all this praying, our leaders often pray, our leaders and staff, we pray for wisdom and discernment and for clarity. The praise team gets together every Sunday morning and we pray, let us worship in spirit and truth. All of these prayers. And the reality is, the last couple of weeks, there's probably been more prayers prayed in America than there has been in a very long time. And some of you might be thinking that was because of the election, I'm guessing it was because of the $2 billion Powerball. <laughs> I saw a lady being interviewed outside of the gas station where the winning ticket was sold. And the guy said, did you win it? No, but I sure hope my neighbor did. <laughs> and we laugh about that. But friends, I think there's some truth in it. Like we'll pray for ourselves when things aren't going the way we want them to. We'll pray for those maybe that are closest to us. We'll give thanks where we need to give thanks. But then when you throw in the word intercession, praying for others, when you put intercession to it, all of a sudden there's this, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not worthy of that. I just want to share a scripture with you right now, and I want to defeat that lie. If you get nothing else out of anything that I say this morning, grab a hold of this. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not righteous. In your own doing, you're not. By what Jesus did on the cross... By his death, by his resurrection, and by his ascension, where he sits now, right here, right now, interceding on your behalf, by your faith in him, you are righteous. Your prayers are powerful, and they are effective. Intercession is a battlefield that, as a follower of Christ, we're all called to. It's not a matter of whether you want to or not. We are all called to it. And I'm not going to stand up here and say that it's easy, because it's not. 
We're all broken, right? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We just need the yes in Jesus' name. Scripture tells us to put on the full armor of God and pray to intercede. In Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, it tells us this instructions of how to have a Christian household. And as we get to Ephesians 6 verse 10, it says this, finally, after all these other things, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against one another. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When we pray for others, when we intercede, it's not just a feel-good thing that we get to do to support one another. It is that. But it makes an impact in the heavenly realms. Because in our humanity, we are not good enough. We are not strong enough to defeat the devil. We're just not. But by the name of Jesus, we can pray in a confidence and in a boldness with a righteous prayer that is powerful and effective. And Jesus tells us time and time again in Scripture that whatever you pray in my name, it will be given to you. Church, do we believe this? Do you believe that? Or do we pray because we got nothing else to try? We try to do it ourselves and it's not working. Or do we pray maybe with a small sense of hope that our prayer might make a difference? Or do we pray with the boldness and with the expectancy that God's word says we can pray with? Because when we pray in Jesus' name, it matters here on earth, and it matters in the heavenly realms. And if you remember a few weeks ago when Aubrey was teaching, before she came out to teach, there was a video that we played of a bunch of kids from Celebrate that were praying. Now, when we watch those videos, it puts a smile on our face. You know, they're so innocent. It just makes us feel good. It warms our heart. But if you go back and watch the end of that video, those kids close by saying, in the name of Jesus. So sure, it seems innocent. But those kids are doing battle in the heavenly realms on your behalf. On your behalf. It goes on in Ephesians 6, verse 18, and it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for all of God's people. The ones you like and the ones you don't like. For the guy that won the two billion and the guys that didn't. And friends, I know this to be true. We've heard testimonies up by multiple people during this series. And as Celebrate's care pastor, I can stand here and I can look around the room 
And I know so much of what's going on in so many people's lives in this room. Some of it good, some of it bad. And don't worry, I'm not going to share your story. I'm not going to share your name. But I hope God, my prayer this morning is that God will reveal to you how intercession, how people praying for you has changed your life and have that inspire you to do the same. But I can also say with confidence that I stand before you this morning because of intercession prayer. When I was in my early 20s, probably the darkest period of my life, without me even knowing about it, a friend of mine was in a prayer group. And they would say, who, what do you want to pray for? Who do you want to pray for? And he would say, I've got this friend that I want nothing more than to know Jesus. And these people would pray for me. I didn't know they were praying for me. Andrew was one of them. If he didn't know then what he knows now, he may not have. But, <laughs> but I say that because it was years Years before that prayer was answered. And it was because of intercession, because I can, I can stand here, I'm ashamed of it, but I can stand here and say, I wasn't looking for it. But because of those intercession prayers, it happened. And I stand before you also saying, I've been in a rough space. The last couple of months have been a true struggle for me with sadness and with grief. But through the weeks, I would have people randomly call me or text me or stop me and say, how you doing? How can I pray for you? Those things make a difference here and in the heavenly realms. Last week, I was down here, I was one of the prayer ministers. And after I prayed for a few people and everybody started to leave, I looked over and Renee was standing here. Well, I said I wasn't going to say names. Sorry, Renee. Sorry, not sorry. And as I started to walk over to Renee, I just saw like all this emotion come to the surface and she started to cry. Now, I'm used to having that effect that people cry when I come around, but <laughs> she started to say, I know you've been struggling. I want to pray for you. And she put her hands on me, on my back, and she was praying for me in the name of Jesus. And you could just feel it lift. And I've had a, probably a better week than I've had in months this week. Now that might be coincidence, some would say. I believe it's because of the power of prayer. For people saying yes and praying for me in the name of Jesus. One of the most powerful prayers that I have had somebody pray over me. I didn't even understand it. I happened to get it on video. I didn't even know what the lady was saying. So we had planned a trip to go to Haiti. Now, I'd never been to a third world country. And maybe I was naive, maybe it was just ignorance. But my prayer for myself and for the group going was, Lord, would you break our heart for what breaks yours? Break our heart for what breaks yours. 
and I met a lady named Ma Dodo. At least that's what they called her. So, I don't know if she's... The video. Yeah, there she is. So Ma Dodo is the grandmother of a guy named Clauden. He was the first Haitian employee for Minihance. He's the agronomist for the Minihance staff. And so we went to see Ma Dodo. We took her food and we took her some other supplies. And when I say this, she lives in the middle of nowhere. Like if this was the edge of the earth, she lived right here. At this time, she was in her early 90s. I don't even know if she's still alive. But she had lived in this same two-room shack, dirt floor shack, for over 70 years. And so we went to take her food and other supplies, and I show up with this big bag of rice, and we give it to her, and we ask if we can pray for her. And if I can back up, the one thing that I, I love about these mission trips with many hands is when you go to someone's house like Ma Dodo, the first thing we say when we show up is we're here in the name of Jesus. And so we asked to pray for her. And Ma Dodo said, no, I want to pray for you. And as you can see, she prays with passion. And as she's speaking in Haitian Creole, I have no idea what she's saying. There's a translator that I'm trying to understand. But God did answer the prayer. I w it was revealed to me that the way that I looked at her, the way that I looked at the Haitian community, that's what broke God's heart. I was seeing them for the things that they didn't have the problems that I assumed they had because they lived in a dirt floor shack for 70 years. And God revealed to me and some other people in the group that they have something that you don't have. It's not their problems. That lady had, was so full of the Holy Spirit. She prayed with such conviction, with such boldness, that the prayer of a righteous person was powerful and effective. It completely changed the way that I view people and the way that I pray for people. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. A 90-some-year-old lady in the middle of nowhere, Haiti, prayed with such conviction. So we've had, through this series, we've had Days where we've prayed, the elders have prayed for the church. We've prayed for other community organizations. We had the kids pray for us. And today I want to I take a little bit of my time to share with you and give you an update on some of our global partners. Right? So intercession is not always just putting a hand on somebody and praying for them. It's people all around the world. Pray for all of God's people. So one of my passions after being there is the people of Haiti. And so if you have an idea of what Haiti is like, if you haven't been there, it's probably a lot worse than that. It is worse now than it has ever been. Obviously, a, a pandemic, a global pandemic in a third world country is really hard to navigate. 
Their president was assassinated last year. There's still not been an election to replace him. The government is dysfunctional at best. In the big cities, the gangs are what's the controlling government. Schools across Haiti are almost all completely shut down. One, the government stopped paying the teachers, so they stopped teaching. And the threats of violence and kidnappings, schools are shut down. So now you've got the poorest country in the, third, in the Western Hemisphere, and now they're becoming even more uneducated. And many hands has taken a stand that they want to be they want to be as resourceful as they can be. They want to be good stewards with what the Lord's given them. So currently, Craig and Christy Gabhart are the only two people, only American people, still in Haiti. And they're trying to run all the ministries they can with their Haitian staff. But they've removed everybody else because they want to shrink their footprint. So for an example, their campus is designed to run on solar power. But when teams like ours go down, we tend to use that solar power by the end of the day. So they have a generator that kicks in. If you can find fuel in Haiti right now to run things as a generator or a car or whatever, it's going to cost you about 15 or 20 bucks a gallon. Makes three-something sound a lot better, doesn't it? And I had, I had a meeting with a lady that was in the know of what's going on in Haiti. And she told me, the only way that I can explain this is it's going to take divine intervention. And I said, hey, I got a few hundred people I know that's going to help with that. I want to give you some good news, though. So Many Hands is also um, looking to expand outside of Haiti. Because right now, mission trips are at a complete standstill. Nobody's going in and out of Haiti. So they are... There's actually some people there doing some more research on it uh, this week, but it's called Camp Abaco, and it's on the Great Abaco Island. Now, on that island, there is already campus set up. It's got dorms, it's got a chapel, it's got all the facilities that they could need. And that campus is designed for every July, there is a youth retreat there. So all the kids from that island and the surrounding islands all come to this camp for an entire month. But the other 10 and a half or 11 months out of the year, it just sits idle. And so many hands realize, like, we could use that. We could do mission work out of that. And the other fascinating part about it is, on this Abaco Island, there is a huge population of Haitian people. So as they step out of what they've known for decades, they still get to serve Haitian people in a different location. And so... That's one of the things that we're considering, is what would it look like to take a team of Celebrate people to Abaco? And so that's one of the things you could be praying about. We would be doing things like light construction work, painting, those kinds of things, VBS type stuff with youth, tutoring opportunities, agronomy, compassion ministries like handing out food. It'd be about a week-long trip. And I saw Andrew come up, so I'll try to end this. But this, I am passionate enough about this. I could stand here for hours. But if you have any interest, 
Or if you want to talk about it, if you want to know more about what's going on in Haiti or what's going on in Abaco, please find me after the service. I'll try to be out by the info booth. But the one thing we can do, that each and every one of you can do, is intercession. You are a righteous people and your prayers are powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we're going to do that in a moment. We're going to take some time right now to pray for the people of Haiti and what's our role moving forward with Haiti. Um, At the very beginning of the series, we talked about our local uh, ministry partners, and we had um, Bruce here talking about the crosswalk and the food pantry, and we had Larissa talking about the well, and Jenny talking about the Pleasantville Youth Initiative, because those are the local ones that we, we are supporting year in and year out, and then trying to find other ways to stay in relationship and help and serve. We have two global partners, same thing. They are in our budget from year in, year out, and we try to find ways to be connected, because we also want to gain from them, not just think that we've got all everything that they need, but it's a, it's a mutual thing. So Many Hands for Haiti, interesting about Many Hands for Haiti, my first year of youth ministry, there was a mission trip that went down to Haiti, and they took a few seniors from our youth group, went on, on the trip. One of those seniors is now uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It's one of the biggest uh, college campus ministries, maybe the biggest, I don't know. It's one of, for sure, in our country. Um, one of those seniors, is his job is to supervise the campuses for one-third of our country now. That's how kind of impact things have. Another one of those seniors is Tim Brand, who started Many Hands for Haiti. And so he, he's, he's the leader of Many Hands for Haiti. That's the kind of impact that it could have. Now, uh, so having said that, I had nothing to do with us starting to this whole partnership. I remember Amy Buren's the one who mentioned, like, we should send a team to Haiti. And then there was traction that happened out of all of that. So they have become a partner. There's relationship. The other one is Pastor Samuel and his ministries out of Uganda. So a very random meeting with Pastor Samuel. He just happened to be coming through. It, it seemed random, but it must have been God appointed. He, I bought a book for him when I met him and went into my car about to leave and had this thought, go buy another book. And I was like, I was really just buying the book to be nice, to support him in his ministry. I don't need two of his books. And it just the thought just wouldn't go away. So I get out of my car, I walk back into, my, into the church, and he says, can we meet? After I bought another book, can we meet? And he introduced the people here. Kind of same thing. Like After that, it's not much to do with me. They're, it just kind of took off. We had our record VBS when we raised money to put wells in Uganda where they don't have access to clean water, and we put in three wells in Uganda. We had teams of two elders, the Motes and the Vosses, went over to verify what was happening there. They run a school for kids who are poor, and we continue to support at least one month of salaries and some food for the school that's going on over there. There's churches. Pastor Sam is actually a pretty big deal over there. He's, he's planting churches. There's lots of ministry going on. He's been over here several times. We were going to go over there in 2020. We were just about to buy the plane tickets, sending another team over, and then the pandemic hit, and we have not been able to line it up since then. But all kinds of ministry, and similar to what Judd is saying, with the pandemic, it just makes everything harder there. With food shortages, it makes everything harder there. And we are trying to figure out how do we continue to partner well. Almost had a a group going this year. Things just did not align. So 
we would like uh, to be praying for two things now. One being, let's pray for the people of Haiti. For many hands for Haiti ministry, the people of Haiti, all this vulnerability, all this pain, all the things Judd talked about. And for the people of Uganda, especially the, the area that Pastor Samuel is ministering in, that whole region. We want to pray for them, but we also would ask that you would pray about what, what is, is celebrate to send a team to one or both of these places in 2023 or 2024? And if so, who's going and just that the Lord would lead all of that. So what I would like now is I'm going to ask if you've been, can we get two or three or four people who've been to Uganda or to Haiti on one of our trips? And then they'll pray and Judd will close us up and we're just going to spend some, and you will pray, we'll all pray, but they'll kind of pray from the microphone on our behalf. So all the volunteers that are running up here, I'll start calling on people soon. Got Brian Voss who went to Uganda. Don't worry, I've planted one person who I said if nobody else comes up, you need to come. Faith! No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Sorry. should do that. She wanted to go. Right, yes. Yes, she wasn't. Yeah, that was when we couldn't get the trips to work. Awesome. Jacob Motes, who's been to Haiti. This will be good. Jacob, I'm going to have you start. We on? Hello? Were you there with Mondodo? Is it? Yeah. Are we on now? Push the Push the button. Everybody, you need to do things for me. I am very incompetent. Can you do this? Thank you. <laughs> Somebody tie my shoes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, so let's, let, let's all pray, and, and uh, Jacob and then Brian and then Judd will close us up. Let's, let's pray for these people. All right, God, it's hard for us to um, sit here in a heated building um, and just understand what you're doing across the world um, in such a different location like Haiti, um, dirt floors and everything else. And um, all of our problems here seem so big. Uh, we're worried about the government, um, but in, in Haiti, it's, it's so much different. And they, they don't even care. Um, they're just focused on you and um, know who you are. So um, I, I pray that we would be able to um, use that as an example for us here, that you're just so much more powerful than, um, yeah, what we see every day. And Father God, I thank you for, for Samuel. Mm -hmm for his entire ministry team, uh, Father God, for the entire church that, uh, that he is leading, the multiple churches that he is leading in Uganda. Father God, every time I think of them, I am humbled by the amount of love they have for you, the amount of faith they have in you. And Father God, I pray that uh, they would use that to, to flow into the different communities around them. Father, they want to bless. They want to be your avenues uh, into other people. So, Father God, I pray that you would uh, just cover them in your love, Father, that, that they would feel a tangible presence today, that you would be with them, Father, that you would guide them uh, into the any many different areas that, that you would have them go to bring your love, your blessing 
uh, into them. So, Father God, I pray that you would bless richly. Father God, that you would provide us the, um, the direction to, um, to join with them. So, Father God, I pray that you would guide us and that, uh, that you would bless them moving forward. Thank you, Father. Yeah, and Father, so I, I echo those prayers and we say yes and amen to them. Father, I pray for the many hands staff. I pray for the ones who are in Abaco this week, trying to discern what it is that you're calling them to there. Mm -hmm. Father, would you bring them clarity? Would you, uh, not only them, but the people of Abaco, would you make it all work out in your timing? Father, we pray for the people of Haiti, the country of Haiti, that there is so much poverty, so much brokenness, so much emptiness, so much evil. We pray over them in the name of Jesus that you would just put people in place, that you would put the government in place, that breakthrough would happen. Father, I pray over Craig and Christy as they continue to be the tip of the spear in Haiti. Would you continue to give them the strength and the courage to endure so many roadblocks? And Father, we pray over Pastor Samuel and all that's happening in Uganda. Would you continue to, to give him the resources, give him the relationship, that not just wells and not just schools and these other things, but the, the joy of salvation, the gospel can be spread throughout Uganda through Pastor Samuel. And Father, I pray for Celebrate. That if we are called to go to Haiti, to go to Abaco, to go to Uganda, whatever it is you want us to do, Father, would you raise up those people? Would you make it clear in their hearts that you are calling them to those places? And would you arrange the finances? Would you arrange the timing? Arrange all of those things. And it would be clear to us. And we can go and we can serve and we can be your hands and feet. And Father, as I pray, and I know there's other praying in, uh, happening in this room, would you hear it all? Mm -hmm. And so we lift up Abaco, we lift up Haiti, we lift up Uganda, and all of those people serving and who are going to serve. We ask for protection and blessing and anointing upon all of them. And we do it in the name above all names, the name of our living Savior, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, you can go ahead and leave that there. Thanks, thanks, Judd. Just a couple other quick comments about, about that. Uh, if, if you're interested more about Uganda, uh, Nate and Ashley Spiegel have set up a nonprofit that can operate out of here for them. And um, Brian and Melinda Voss have been, and Melinda, they have been, for those that don't know, Brian and Melinda Voss, who are elders at our church, were full-time missionaries in South America for uh, an extended part of their their life, and Melinda and Doug Terpstra are, are thinking about how could we send teams to U Uganda. He's led teams to different uh, global mission trips as well, and so uh, if you don't know them, come talk to me and I'll get you to them if you're interested in, in Uganda. Okay, so, you know, this whole series, we've had different people teaching this whole series. It's how we set it up. We were going to have someone else teach, and I was going to teach this kind of co-teaching situation, and every single week, I'm just like, why did we do this? I'm sitting there listening to the person going like, keep going, 
keep, I mean, that's just, once Judd did a fabulous, fabulous job, I thought all of our teachers have done a fabulous job, and I have just been blessed at the ways that they're calling us to draw close to God and praying for others. Um, I want to end uh, the series talking about what would Jesus ask us to pray for? So I, I love what Judd shared about uh, his story, and that, you know, I was part of it just because I was friends with his friend and, and, and was loving how passionate his friend was about praying for, the, for, for this guy. But I have seen so many people who have come to faith, and it, did, it happened where I've been part of either really a lot or barely, but just prayers have happened. It's like something paves the way before someone comes fully into faith. And prayers are part of that. And so we pray and we don't give up. Because especially when we're praying for people's salvation, for people to come fully give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ for whatever reason. Because it takes God. We can't convince anybody. We can't be smart enough. We can't. It takes God for people to fully give their life to Jesus. And so, but what we can do is ask. And he loves to answer that prayer. But here's the question. What is his prayer request to us? He taught us how to pray. When he was here, he taught us how to pray. He said, here's good things to pray. When they asked, here's good things to pray. He told people, here's good ways that you can pray. And it was like he was giving us guidance on how we pray for ourselves. But when it came to like, what did he want? I mean, we can learn from his prayer uh, that he prayed in John 17 about how he wanted unity, how he wanted uh, us to be unified with each other, how he wanted us to be in the world but not of the world. That that gets at it. But there is one thing where I think he specifically gave, this is my prayer request for me. This is what moves my heart. So I want us to look at that. Uh, Luke, no, Matthew chapter 9, verse 38 says, 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. By the way, if you think, man, we seem to read a lot of, keep reading this passage about Jesus healing and going through and proclaiming the kingdom, it's not because we keep reading the same passage. It's because it shows up so much in the Bible that this is what Jesus does. Anyway, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. His heart was moved. Compassion, that is an emotional word. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He saw people who were hurting. He saw people who didn't have anyone guiding them toward God. He saw people that didn't have a relationship with God. And he's moved. And he says to those who are closest to him, to those that follow him, to his disciples, please, please ask for more workers. He was there. And he was healing. And he was speaking. But he was one person. He was the God-man. He was God's presence like we've never had it before in a person because he was God. But in his humanness, it was, it was to the extent that he could talk to people. And since he's so personal in his ministry, it's to the, what can one human get to? Well, when you're the God man, he does unbelievable stuff. But it's still one person. So he says, please ask for workers to be sent out into the harvest, to go into the harvest. That is his prayer request. If you haven't shown that slide yet, that that's what he says to his disciples. That is his prayer request. Ask for workers for the harvest. 
Now, in my Bible, right after that, there's like a space, then there's a heading, then there's the big chapter 10 because it's a new chapter. But what's true about our Bibles is that all those numbers and those headings were added on later by an editor. The chapters and verses are just to help us find things, to locate them. In the original um, scriptures that were given for years, there were no numbers in there. And there were certainly no headings. There were section breaks, but this wouldn't be one of them. This would be from one thing right into the other. So verse 38 of chapter 9 says, Ask the Lord, this is Jesus talking, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's my prayer request. And then immediately, the very next thing we read, what it goes right into is Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease. He lists the names, and then verse 5, the twelve, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to the Gentiles among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus says, when he sees people, when he sees people hurting, when he sees people who don't know God, he says, ask for workers for the harvest. He brings his his disciples to him. He says, ask for workers for the harvest. And then he says, actually, how about you be the answer to that prayer? Immediately. Ask for workers for the harvest You go, go, go. You're the workers. You're the answer to the prayer. So pray for the workers and then be the answer to that prayer. Go, go. That's what Jesus wants. We are gathering to know Jesus, to grow in Jesus, to become like Jesus, to be healed by Jesus, to be equipped and empowered by Jesus. But we are gathering also to go in his name. We can bring his presence. We are gathering to go. So, one of the interesting points in this passage that almost can feel racist if you really know what's going on at the time, he says, like, don't go to the Gentiles, though. Only the lost sheep of Israel. Don't go to the Samaritans. Only the lost sheep of Israel. Why does he say that? Well, eventually, he's going to tell these same people, you will, go, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, the Gentiles. So it's not that he's not going to have them eventually go there. But here's the thing. We are human beings. We have limits. We can't meet every need in the world. And sometimes because now we have access to know about so much that's going on in the world, it can just shut us down. It can paralyze us. It can depress us. It gives us anxiety. What can we do? Can't do anything. And so the more we hear about all the needs, the easier it can become to be like, I mean, I just can't. Go with whatever that situation is, Lord. But Jesus says here, focus in. I am sending you not to everywhere all at once, but to somewhere. Not to get every person's problem, but to someone's. So when I think about Ukraine and the war and when it happened, I had, I mean, when I think about Afghanistan, when I think about Syria a few years ago, when I think about these things, you know, there are times where my heart is like, I want to do something about that. I see that. I want to do something. But what am I going to do? 
What am I going to do here? I mean, I'll pray. It doesn't feel like my prayer is doing much. I will pray. But with Ukraine, it was like we have Ukrainian people living in Knoxville. We have Ukrainian people who are using our food pantry. We have something there. So say, God, is there some way something can happen? We had the, the, when the war broke out, a Ukraine family shows up in our church. But still, I didn't, what do you do? God, send people to help them. God, go help them yourself. God, do that. And if there's some way that I or Celebrate should be involved. And so in what was kind of a rant, they were coming through the office. I went and said, you know, how, how can we help? The elder board had already said, you know, we're going to give some money. We're going to, hang, we're going to set aside money and give it to them when, when we know clear more. But that was where we were at. And then they said, we need sponsors. So, so eventually I sponsor. It was, it's quite a to-do. And again, it was like, who could I get to sponsor? <laughs> That's a, boy, they, someone should help those people. Who could we get to go help those people? Well, what can we do? So we sponsor a family. I go through the process. I call Antone, who was here a couple weeks ago. And I say, good news, got it through. I was working with this person, this Russian person out of Virginia who's helping refugees come through. I got it all through, got that family of five through. And he just says, family of five? I say, yeah. No! And then I hear, like, a different language in the background. <laughs> oh, no, you were supposed to do the family of 14. They were first in line. They're the hardest to get through. This is, you were supposed to do the family of 14. <laughs> Uh, I'll try to help find a sponsor for the family of 14. And then, some of you have been around, no, it's like two months, there was one letter off in the email that we couldn't get him through the system and we prayed here and then it finally went through and so the family of five comes. It was similarly as long with the family of 14, who, by the way, is going to show up in the United States this week. Then, um, the family of nine we get a sponsor from Celebrate Church who's going to sponsor the family of nine. So it's been like two months. Then we get another two months for this family of 14. And then the family of nine goes through in two days, and they'll be here soon. So we've got some people coming. But here we, we talked, Camille and I talked to Anton and his wife this week. And they said, well, here, here's what happened. They were here a couple weeks ago, and the, the little boy, the family of five, the little boy had some medical, serious medical things happen that week. Spent a week in Mercy Hospital. And Antone says, if they hadn't been first, he would, they, couldn't, they didn't have access to medical care where they were as refugees like this. Oh, and by the way, they've changed the law now. They won't even let a dad go with a family of five. You have to have at least five kids. Before it was at least three kids. Now it's at least five kids. They wouldn't be here. God knew what he was doing. I'm, I, sometimes I can do Antoine well. That wasn't my best. Anyway. <laughs> and he's just thanking God for that. But it reminds me of the feeding of the 5,000. Where the disciples say, Jesus, we got to feed. What are we going to do with these people? They're praying. What do we do? We're coming to God. And he says, you go feed them. And they say, we got five loaves and two fish. This is thousands of people. But then they offer what they have, and Jesus sends them back out with what they have, and he feeds a multitude. That's what we can do. God, help. And here's what I have. And so I'll go. One last passage. But by the way, thank you. Just 
Thank you for those of you who serve at the food pantry, who make meals for people who are hurting for funerals or who come and serve at funerals. Thank you for the people who work with children or work with youth. Thank you for the people who are, you're just going. I, I mean, I had lists of ways where I see you just saying, here I am. I'll give you what I have, God. For people who need it, I'll give you what I have. Thank you. So, chapter 6 of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, this is Isaiah talking, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah, probably ministering in the temple, is transported in the spirit realm to the throne room of God. He is in God's presence. He hears not the voice of God. He just hears the voice of the angels who can't even look at God because of his holiness and how his brilliance. So they've got two wings that the whole purpose of the wings is to cover their eyes to cover their feet. They, he, they, he is in holiness. He is in the presence of God. And there is not a, a Jesus sacrifice. There's a different way that atonement had to happen because he is in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, God says, who will go? Who will go? And Isaiah went, and he did not have an easy assignment. And he had, he did, it was challenging but he went, and the Spirit came on him at times. Now, that was before Jesus. Now, we have access that Jesus says, I will give you my Spirit if you will go in my name. I will give you resources you, you, you don't have in yourself if you will go in my name. We go with all our strength. If we want to really live for Jesus, we go in all of our strength. But as Judd said, we don't go in just our strength. We go in the strength of the Lord. We have the Lord going with us. And so the question, the last question I have, the last note, if we can bring that up, is Jesus, this was God to Isaiah, but Jesus says to his people, to people say, I am following you. He says, who will I send? Who will go for us? And the question today is, what is your answer? Like, yes. We want to pray for people that don't know Jesus. Please pray for people that don't know Jesus and don't give up. Please pray for more workers, for more workers for where areas needed, that God would raise them up. Please pray for that. But also give your own answer. What will you give? What will you give? Where will you go? Who will you love? Who will you serve? In his name, he will go with you if you go in his name. He will give you what you don't have in your own if you go in his name.
I pray for peace in Ukraine. And I think that matters. But God will put things in front of us. And this is why we don't try to minister to every country in the world or every ministry in our communities. Say, he says, go here. Go here. Go to this person. Go to this. And then we go, and then he multiplies it. So where is your here? Who is your person or people? And will you go? I'll have the worship team come up. We're going we're gonna to pray, and we're just going to wait on the Lord. We just have one song at the end, just one song. Before we go into that, we're just going to wait on the Lord for a few moments. Because Jesus says go, but he also says wait. Wait for the, until you're clothed with power on high. Wait for the Holy Spirit. So we're going to see if there's anything he wants to do. Before we go, here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Here we are in your presence, giving our attention to you, knowing you're here with us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you point us to Jesus, that you explain who he is, that you connect us to him. Thank you that you give us the gifts that belong to him that he wants to share with us. Would you do that now as we wait on you? I think we are going to pray a little bit about the things we've talked about today, but before we do, I sense that maybe some healing power will be released into people's lives and bodies now. So if you're a person who's needing some healing power released in your, your body, your life, your heart today, maybe open your hands to receive, kind of like we did earlier at the beginning of the service, Just receive. Jesus, thank you that you went around healing every sickness and disease when you were here. Thank you that you went around binding up the brokenhearted. 
release healing power in the name of Jesus into bodies, into minds, into hearts, into emotions. More than just as normal, more than just could be seen as a coincidence, would you do that right now? Would you do that in ways some people even can sense you're doing it? who are watching online. for your presence in this place, for making it known to many of us now. Is there anything else you want us to pray before we pray in song? God, I ask that you would um, bring to people's minds what is their five loaves and two fish. What is it that you've freely given them that they have to offer? Particularly if there's something they haven't um, thought of yet or if there's something that they've been thinking about but haven't put into action yet. Would you bring that to mind? ask everyone to stand now and we have a, a closing song but I just asked Danielle if if maybe the Lord gave has given her a song that she could sing because I think the sending would be a little bit of an abrupt transition so I'm going to have Danielle sing over us and then we're going to pray our last song before we leave
Let's sing that one more time. If you know it, join join in. Join in. Oh, 